Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. Today, we are very fortunate to have with us Sherwin Damdar, Director of Product Management and Innovation at Garla. Welcome, Sherwin. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here today. And we're excited to have you. All right, Sharon, first, just to give our listeners a little bit of context, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and, and how product management really works at Garlock. Absolutely. So first, let me just say Garlock is a fluid sealing company. We're industrial B2B, and I would say our largest product groups are gasketing and oil seals. So those are very recognizable aftermarket consumables for large industrial plants. So that's Garlock as a company. And just myself in general, um, I've been in product management for eight years. My background is on the development side. So I started my career as an engineer, an R&D lab engineer, white coat, developing new products and working in the lab, helping the business team to bring it to market. And after my first product launch eight years ago and interacting with customers, I fell in love with everything on the business side, getting that product to market. I made that transition from engineering to product management because I just love the, the commercial side of the business. So that's a little bit about my background, engineering turned product manager, as I know most of your listeners probably are. Our, our entry point into product management is, uh, is always interesting. Not very many people set out saying they want to start out as a product manager. It's always a second step. Yes, and probably half of the audience and the listeners definitely have an engineering background as well. So one of the things I think that's so important about product management, so difficult, right? We do so many things, we wear so many uh, varied hats, is how do we measure our success, right? Is it the time we spend in standups? Is it the number of requirements we wrote? Like, like there's all these ways of thinking about it. And what we're trying to figure out, right, is metrics that most signal whether or not we're going to be successful. And, and that's really the reason we have you on today is you have some really interesting perspectives and ways that you measure your team uh, that we'd like to share with the audience. So let's start a little about that. How do you, what is the most important thing for you when you're looking at measuring your team and whether it's going to be successful? Absolutely. So let me give you a little bit of background of our product management journey at Garlock. So, you know, like most organizations or product management function is in between operations, sales, and marketing. We're that gel, we're the glue, we're the, the, the bridge between the market and our company, what we can make, what we can market, what we can sell. And so for a long time, when I came into that product management team, we got the leftovers from everybody. We were told what we needed to be doing, and we did our best to hold the company together, anything related to products. So everything came through us, even finance. And um, we recognized that you know we were helping everybody else do their job, but we really didn't know our own job. So we had to reflect and say, who are we as a product team and how do we measure our success? We don't even know what it is we do for the company. And so when you look at Garlock, we're diversified in terms of markets. We're in power generation, we're in chemical, we're in water, we're in marine, so we're in lots of markets. And we have about 10 to 12 product groups. And we have product managers that manage one or two of those groups. So we have lots of products into lots of markets. And when we look at our product strategy, we decided what we wanted to be, what we, how we wanted to compete was with a differentiated 
product strategy. We took the product excellence course, right? You could take the other strategy. You could be the low cost producer, or you could focus on a niche, one market. We didn't have that luxury. So we looked at our product strategy and we said, we are going to be a product excellence company. So how do we measure how effective we are, how well we're doing as a product team? And the, the primary metric that we pick is our sale of differentiated products. What do I mean by differentiated products? So for us, a differentiated product has to meet three criteria, all three of them. It has to be unique and product management articulates why it's unique. It has to be valuable. So our customers have to value it. We have to actually give economic value to them and it has to be proven. It can't just be a claim that we make. It has to be a claim that we can show either third-party testing or some other way to say we are indeed proven. So they have to be unique, valuable, proven. And then every month, one of the primary metrics that our product management team runs is differentiated sales and the percentage of differentiated sales to overall sales within that product group. So you can look across all of our product lines and you can see that percentage. Now, if a product group has a very low percentage of differentiated product sales, they're highly commoditized, which is not in line with our product strategy. If it's a high percent, then they're more in tune and they're more in line with our product strategy and our company strategy. And so that product manager now has to decide how to spend their time. If it's a low percentage and they're highly commoditized, they really have to go out into the market, ask questions and figure out what's new in the commercial pipeline. What are we gonna to take to our development team that gives us more differentiated products in the pipeline in the future? If you're already at a high rate, you're gonna balance your time between product marketing, which is really developing sales campaigns with the team to sell more of our differentiated products because we already have them. And so it's more of a balancing act between product marketing and product management because you, you already have good products. So you know, for me, that's been a real turnaround because now product management knows what it has to do and we can objectively measure across all product groups how well they're doing. Wow. I mean, I just think that's such a, a, an amazing way to keep the organization focused. And I think another really important part about this is you guys are focused on innovation, but it's not innovation for innovation's sake, right? And, and that comes through in the way you define differentiated, right? Unique, yes, innovative, uh, but also valuable and proven. So it's not just that you made new products that are different. It's that you made new products that are different uh, in a way that really fit a market need. And so you're seeing the revenue returns from that. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I also figured out early on is, you know, as a product team, when we figured out our strategy, we had to evangelize. We had to tell the rest of the organization, this is who we are and this is our strategy. Because what often happens is you'll have somebody from sales that will come to the product team, product management and say, hey, this competitor just came out with this new product. We need to launch something just like it. And when you look at what your options are for entry into the market. If your options are, for example, let's make, let's be a fast follower, make something similar at a lower cost, cheaper price. You have to be able to tell your sales team, you know, that's not who we are. We are a product excellence company. And what we want to do is go into the market, talk to those customers that are using that product, find out why they like it. And maybe there's still a not met need and we can come in second to market with a better differentiated product. And so you wanna to play to your strategy, even if you're second to market. So once product management figures out who they are and what their strategy is, an important part of that is telling the rest of the organization, operations, 
sales, marketing, and even finance, what your strategy is and why you choose what you're going to do and why you choose what you're not going to do, which is almost just as important. Uh, and I mean, I would think that not only do you, does sales need to understand that, that there is a, a different way that you approach sales. So in, in that way, there's a different way you approach product marketing because you need to enable those kind of sales, right? That it, it's not a, it is not a price discussion. It's not a feature showdown. It's a, it's a totally different way. Is there, uh, when you think about the way your team supports sales, uh, sort of on the product marketing side and the sales team, are there, are there some some real differences that you see, some tricks that you guys or, or techniques that you guys use because you're about a product differentiation and sort of product excellence uh, as, as a go-to-market? Absolutely. It's changed the way that we interacted with the sales team. So in the past, the sales team, because we have such a broad portfolio into multiple markets, the sales team would be, they would just have a shotgun approach. So now what we have is we have a cheat sheet internally that product management has made so for every product group, you have the differentiated products and product management articulates why it's unique, valuable, and proven. So they have a cheat sheet for all of our products that are differentiated. And now the sales team, they go out and they only specify and they only talk about our differentiated products um, because that's the anchor. That's the hook, right? So if you think of even like fast food market and we talk about burgers or something like that, I typically go for the burger, and then the fries are an afterthought, you know? So that's what we tell our sales team. We're selling these burgers. They're they're differentiated. We're not asking you to sell fries. When they're there to buy the burger, they're gonna you're going to say to them, would you like to have some fries with that? And they're going to say, absolutely, yes. Those are commodities. And so um, that's what we want them to focus on. And we've, had, we've done some work to even structure our approach even more that brings in marketing and sales. And here's what we've done. As product management, when we go out in the market, we interview people and we talk to them about our differentiated products or about their markets, we articulate a problem statement. So we go into the market, we look at that problem statement, we look at our differentiated products and we say, here's a match. These two or three products match the problem statement. And then we develop sales campaigns with the marketing and the sales team. And so we want our sales team to focus on those strategic campaigns. We don't want them to have that shotgun approach. So when they have a win or they have multiple wins and they specify our product, it's our differentiated high margin products that they're going after. And so our our time with the sales team has completely changed. When we do a review with them, we talk about our sales campaigns our strategic sales campaigns, which are all centered around differentiated products that solves a customer problem. And we've given them that cheat sheet and we've articulated the problem statement that the product is addressing. So this is such a, a, a innovative approach to innovative products as well, Sherwin. Can we talk a little bit about like executive buy-in to this approach? Is this something that they brought to the table or something that you needed them, uh, you also needed them to understand this shift? Because it, as you'd said earlier, like it, the whole company has to be around that and I, that includes at the very highest levels. Yeah, and so I, I think that you will have to, as a product management team, gauge your executive leadership. What are their goals? Are you hearing things like margin expansion? Are you hearing things like, you know, growing your top line revenue at a really fast rate? What are their big picture goals? And also what kind of resources do you have? So for us, our company is focused on being profitable. 
they would rather us be small and very profitable than very, very large and not as profitable. And also our company's focus is on being material science based. We invest a lot in polymer science and they've doubled down on that. So when product management look at the stakeholders and where the direction they're going at, we see high margin, lots of investment in innovation. And then when we looked at our product strategy, that's why we said, yeah, a product excellence company requires a lot of investment in innovation and a byproduct of that is going to be high margin products. And so it's both. I think that we need to gauge our leaders and see what their long-term goals are. And then product management needs to figure out the product strategy. I don't think any senior leadership is going to come to product management and say, here is your product strategy. That's what you've got to figure out. Your product strategy has to be a subset of the overall company strategy. So, I mean, if you've got a very, very uh, trim and slim innovation team and you want to do that, that's going to be really tough. Think about um, operational excellence and low cost, right? If you don't have a scalable operations team, you can't be a low cost manufacturer. You, you're, that can't be your product strategy if you're, you know, your team is not going to drive out the cost of your product. So you've got to make your product strategy be a subset of the overall company strategy. One of the other pieces about this, of course, is making is how do you make sure that your team is finding and pursuing the right differentiated products, right? The ones that they're that are, as we would always say, solving a market problem. Uh, the ones where you know you're not you're ahead of the of the competition, but maybe not so far ahead of the market that they don't realize they need it. So, so how do you how do you uh, make sure that their their differentiated products are in fact going to be valuable? Yeah, and you know our product team has. We've, we've done a lot of launches in the past that have flopped and nobody has bought them. And it just took a really, really long time to, to get market adoption. And we, did, we just did not get our return on investment. And so when we do market research now as product managers and we're going out and documenting what we're learning, we have three things that we're looking at. We want the problem that we're solving to be urgent so it has to be sufficiently painful so that when we launch the product, as soon as we tell our customers that we've got a product, it, it has to resonate with them. So it has to be urgent. The other thing it has to be is pervasive. We can't take one customer's problem and run with it to marketing or to our innovation team and say, we've got a new product idea. There has to be enough people out there with that problem. So it has to be pervasive. And so we will interview a few, but we will survey many. So we product managers go out there, they have these calls with people, they might interview five or six people and they're able to articulate a problem statement. And then we'll go to marketing or engage with an external firm and say, okay, we wanna survey 300 people and we wanna see if this problem resonates with them. So urgent, pervasive. And then the last one that we've learned that we really have to be able to gauge as product managers is are people willing to pay for the solution? You know, I had, uh, an example where I came up with a gasketing. I was a product manager. I had one customer that said, if you could only make this gasket and make it high purity, we'd love to, you know, we'd love it. Here are the problems that we have. So I went out and I engaged in my, with my innovation team. We spent a, a ton of time making a high purity gasket. And it turned out that that end user was not willing to pay for it. What they wanted was the same thing at the same price. And that 
prototype product that we made, there's no way we could offer it at the same price. And so that last nugget, somebody has to be willing to pay for it is very important. So those are the three things that we ask our product man managers to look for. Is the problem urgent? Is it pervasive? And are people willing to pay for it? And if they, it ticks all three boxes, you have a really good chance of that product launch being successful. Oh, that's one of my very favorite rules of pragmatic, Sherwin, the urgent, pervasive, and willingness to pay. And I think you are not alone in the having been burnt by not fully knowing willingness to pay going in, right? That's a tough one. You can't be like, pardon me, would you be willing to pay X, Y, or Z, right? Um, but it's a really important one to know. And it's a, it, and a, as you find out, it's an important one to know the answer to before you start to do any work, right? Because their willingness to pay is not a reflection of how much work it took you and your innovation and research team to create it. And so you have to know if 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 the effort it's going to take uh, for internally is going to pay off, right? Because I, I can't change what they're willing to pay. And so if it if it isn't enough to cover costs, then it's just not something we should do. Yeah. And I think as product managers, we are shy about talking about price. I think it, we, mm -hmm. we often leave it till the end. And I think it's perfectly okay to say to somebody, you know, if we came up with a solution, are you willing to pay 5% more, 20% more, 30% more? Have that conversation upfront before you engage with your innovation team and commit the company's resources to it. Don't be shy about it. Don't leave it till the end. You know, talk about it upfront. And you don't have to have specific numbers. You could have ranges, um, but have that conversation. That's certainly a, a lessons learned from for myself in my career. How do when you get a new product manager in, how how do they sort of take to this approach? Because it is different than a lot of organizations in terms of how they measure. Yeah. So I've learned that, you know, the best thing to do is to start with the the role and the goal of product management. If if we if we teach our team what we have to do, then they'll find time to do what others ask them to do. And if they don't have the time, they'll delegate. And so we've we've codified what product management does. And our, our team knows that product management is the matchmaker between market problems and our distinct capabilities. And everybody that comes on board recognizes, okay, if we're that matchmaker between market problems and our distinct capabilities, we have to be in the market, understanding market problems and also we have to be technical enough and knowledgeable enough to understand what our distinct capabilities are, because we're going to be the bridge between our company and the market. And so I want, we have product managers invest in the outside, in the market, and also invest in our own, learning our own capabilities, what it is that we do that nobody else does. And so when an idea comes, a problem comes from the sales team or the marketing or a customer, we can say that's a great problem for somebody to solve. But it's not for us because either we don't have that capability or it's not our product strategy. Or when an engineer comes to us to say, I have a product idea, product management can say, oh, I know a market need for that. I've been aware of that for a long time, but we've never had a solution. Let me see if I can bridge that gap and come up with something, a positioning document, or let me see if I can articulate a problem statement. And so, you know, we want product managers. I want product management to be focused on the market and understanding our capabilities. And there's other things we do. You know, product managers have to often are reporting sales and margins and growth. We're that bridge often for finance. We're aware of the PL. Some of us have more responsibility with the PL. Some of us help on the operational side. 
a lot. Some of us are working with marketing and doing collateral and building out some of our product marketing camp, you know, things like campaigns. So we know that, but at the core, I think product management has to know what it does first, take care of that, and then others will follow. I think um, the airline analogy is probably the best one. You know, you sit on an airplane and they will tell you, you put on your mask first, and then you help if you have a kid or somebody else. If you can't put on your mask and get oxygen, you can't help others. It's the same for product management. You have to be able to do your job before you can help others. I love that airline analogy for this, right? If you're not in the market and taking care of that core responsibility, you, you really aren't uh, being as effective help for anyone else either. And I also think the thing you said that is often overlooked for managers is to provide explicit clarity on what you expect from them, particularly with product management. And it's sort of ill-defined in many organizations. You know, you can be like, oh, they've done it before they know what, what to do, but that can mean so many different things. Uh, it's a lot of a type A personalities, a lot of people pleasers who want to get things done. And so they can be, as you said, with best intentions and going to help other people doing a lot of other things. But when you're explicit and clear about what you need them to do. And I think what's so great about how you measure them, Sherwin, too, is that ties in exactly to what you you expectation of them is. Because too often we see organizations that measure their team on metrics that aren't related to the items that they, that they in the way they think they're, to the core items that we're looking for them to accomplish. All right. We talked a lot about a lot of different things, Sherwin, and you've brought some great points up. But if you were to have listeners uh, do two things differently tomorrow, based on what we talked about today, what would that be? Okay, wow, that's a tough one. I would say, I, I think product managers um, are probably underinvested in their trade, in what it is that they do. I, I jumped into product management and I was hacking it, you know, using my common sense and just looking at what others did before me and really underinvested in my learning in product management. and. I hit a ceiling of what I could do based on my common sense, and then went back and said, what's available in terms of training? What books are out there? Who are product managers from other companies that are hitting it out of the ballpark that I can follow? What's the history of product management? Who was the first product manager? Um, so I would say if you're looking to go into the product management field or you're in product management, invest in yourself and your function and your team. There is never going to be enough time to take off, to do that training, you've got to carve it out. Your organization, your team, they'll always be pulled in five or six different directions. So don't wait for there to be a lull for you to invest in that training. So that's that would be the first one I would say. Invest as a product management team, as a product manager, you have to invest in that function, in that skill. And then you've got to be able to go out and articulate to the rest of the organization what you've discovered. You've been to the promised land. You got to come back from the promised land and tell people what you've seen. So I would say that would be the first one. Um, and then the second one, I would say with product managers, we have to have more fun because we are typically the face of the company. We are out there. We have to be co commercially courageous and we have to take risks. We are either launching new products or launching new product categories and you're going to have some flops. But if you let those flops, or if you let those slow to market, slow adoption rates get you down, it's really gonna take away from your mojo. So product managers 
have to be have you know they they have to really be able to take the lumps go out there and be courageous and go after the market you're going to you know you're going to have a mixed bag but you just you cannot get down you really have to have a tough skin so if you're in product management or you're thinking about product management and you have a really thin skin you're not willing to go out there and be courageous and take some risks this is not it for you right product managers are public facing in most parts of the organization you have to really go out there and and give it your best and be courageous um, and, and take some risks commercially take some calculated commercial risks and as you said though well we have to be tough it's fun right when we're really doing it and doing it right uh, it is it is it's almost uh sometimes I'm like well I get paid to do this this is awesome <laughs> I, I love it. You know, I look back at my career in product management and I did two rounds of being a product manager of one and then a next product group became, before I became a director of product management. And the products that I launched or helped to launch in those product groups, they're, they're padding and they're, the P&L, they're doing phenomenally well for those product groups. And I'm now far enough from those where people don't even realize that I was the one that came up with the idea worked with the innovation team and helped to launch it. But think of the future impact that you have as a product manager on the PL, on the business, on the company, when you've launched something. You know, when you're in sales, you may have a good year and you work really hard at it. And it's a one-year impact. In product management, you can leave a legacy that lasts way beyond your time in that product group. You can reinvent an, an entire product group if you do a good job as a product manager. And when you leave, they've reaped that benefit. So the impact of a product manager is just phenomenal on a company, on an organization or a product group. And so I love it. And that's that's the fun thing about it. I love bringing products to market. I love getting the company and the company's resources excited about market problems. I love getting engineers out into the market as well, not just product managers. So I just I just think product management is a, is a blast and I love being that bridge between the company and the market. Your passion comes through Sherman and it is a, absolute pleasure to have you on today. Thank you. All right. That does it for today's episode. Thanks everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 